Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Fargo, directed by the Coen Brothers, Thoroughbreds by Corey Finley, The Report by Scott Z. Burns, and newly released King Richard by Ronaldo Marcus Green and House of Gucci, directed by Ridley Scott. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how we doing, man? Hey, Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right, man. It's going all right. How was your uh, week of movies? A very solid week of movie. Okay, uh, that's, good to, that's good to hear. One, uh, I gotta say, very early on, a big boy alert. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, I was surprised how much I liked this film, uh, but uh, the. Huh. I think uh, across the board was a very solid week. We don't have too much variance in scores, but uh, I'm excited to talk about nearly all of these. So. Okay. Big boy alert. I have three in mind that they could be. Okay. All right. Tossing around. Well, all right. We'll get okay. We'll get started right away. Uh, I think a classic, or as many people at least know is a classic, very mm-hmm. recognizable name. Um, we go back to 1996. It's the Coen Brothers directing, and it's Fargo. Absolutely. What do we have? Fargo, the dialogue masters of the Coen Brothers at work uh, in probably one of their best early works. Uh, I had seen Fargo probably a very long time ago. I had interest in maybe diving into the television show, which has uh, one of my favorite trends, which is these kind of episodic seasons, uh, that each season is kind of a re-roll of, of circumstances and characters. Uh, but their Coen brothers, the Coen brothers are at their best because they are always able to weave such an amazing story around crime and uh, the world of criminals. Uh, you see this in a lot of the subjects that they tackle and always very, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, this, for sure. Yeah, this film uh, is really the cornerstone uh, of what they're doing and, and what they kind of nailed down with a basically what, what the plot is directly abound around criminals and crime and a, pl- a crime plot and then interweaving that with some sort of stylings. In this case, this movie introduces a very simple plot of a hired kidnapping and blooms into a wonderful ensemble cast, uh, and all are struggling to survive or thrive in this Midwestern world. Uh, Minnesota is, is, the, is the, the cornerstone of, uh, of this film as well. I mean, if, if what I think is probably most recognizable is that it is a story that probably no screenwriter ever wanted to cast a setting in Minnesota or, right, right. or in hokey Midwest. Uh, but this film does it so excessively well. Uh, the characters tell a kind of a, a scrounging story, kind of uh, digging for their piece of the dirt in this kind of frustrating crime drama, and all of it is wrapped in this local tongue. I think where probably the Coen brothers got this claim to fame with their dialogue is diving into something so hokey as like this Midwestern accent and still able to tell uh, a story around it. I think the balancing act that Fargo does specifically now uh, outside of the Coen brothers work from kind of a, a bird's eye view is that that story is incredibly well executed upon in this Midwestern accent. It is, <laughs> it's phenomenal. Absolutely uh, amazing that there is this tying in and at first maybe 
you think this is just kind of a, a, a hokey pairing or, or kind of it plays into some natural comedy uh, in a script that is, you know, beat for beat as far as the story progression, pretty intense as far as the crime and the, and the thriller aspects of it. Uh, but what is done so well is that these factors of you know these uh, of the setting how it plays into the co- comedic beats uh, it is taking a tone of itself it slowly evolves on top of it to have a story in itself and a message behind the theme uh which i think is honestly a w- was such a delight to watch and a film you really want to appreciate because I feel genre mashing or combining factors, it's something that a lot of films do these days, but mm-hmm. the Coen brothers were able to take something, maybe bring down the guard of the audience with this you know, comedic styling with how these characters talk and how they act in situations of pressure and, uh, and intensity. But again, I can't stress enough, that takes a story in itself and just shows that we are dealing with some experts here on how to craft a story and the script behind it. You know, the setting really has a, a, a point, an intention behind it, and the whole film has a design for that reason. It's a huge foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's done well, too. Oh, uh, right, right, because it could very easily be... Uh, like a slip off the rails. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, which I feel... Uh, a lot of modern films, when they do kind of some genre mashing or or, or, or attaching kind of a um, an interesting setting or, or theme to their story, maybe that's done just for stylistic reasons uh, or to create a more palatable story. Again, why this stands as a cut above is that that has a story in itself, and if anything, that's probably the main story being told mm. throughout this film. Uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I was really uh, just abs. I mean, I was I was so thrilled with this film of how it was unfolding. But for the performances, Steve Buscemi and Francis McNorman <laughs> might have their career best in this film. Uh, I, I mean, I I don't know Steve Buscemi's catalog of acting too well. I, I mean, I would people, man. When Fargo's referenced today, people are always bringing up Steve Buscemi. He's amazing in it. And they're He's always so good. Yeah, I mean, they always bring up the one specific scene, but mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi in this, and I would, this and like Boardwalk Empire, I guess. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, sure, sure. Some because I mean, he, and he says he's, he's in a decent amount, yeah. but uh, Big Lebowski. When I think a lot of people, when you think Steve Buscemi, people always think it's Fargo. Yeah, and 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 well deserved. Uh, I think. Uh, for for Francis, well, well, Steve Buscemi, as you reference, and I think we're probably thinking of the same the, the same sequence. Uh, Steve Buscemi is more so just entertaining every every single moment he's on screen, <laughs> uh, both as like a chaotic force in the story, but like he's just very entertaining to watch and just so incredibly believable as a scrounging Midwest criminal. Uh, like, <laughs> like he's it, it's it's such a, an amazing casting. Um, Francis uh, uh, has a, a sequence in this that she has a uh, uh, she's meeting an old friend uh, and it kind of goes very awkward and at first I was watching this uh, this and I was saying why is this in the film this feels like fat you could trim okay but there is a way that she handles an interaction with the waitress during where a very awkward uh, event is kind of unfolding and I can't tell you. It, it once again, it was both style and substance. the The stylings, the the Minnesota way that she handled this sequence, it was a wonderful definition of what our character is willing to put up with. And once again, a, a just a just a a spotless performance from Francis mm. McDormand. Really uh, amazing to watch. And but both of those, I have to note. I mean, really a career best. I'm a big fan of Three Billboards with Absolutely. Francis McDormand. Absolutely. I, yeah, and, and it is a really phenomenal film. I think this, uh, at least as far as her performance, edges that out in a, in, in a very good way. I mean, and she won Best uh, uh, best Actress. Yes, absolutely. For the Oscar that year, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, speaking in dialogue, speaking in this this Minnesota, you know, type of, type of uh, tongue, mm-hmm. 
you could say that it's like, oh, well, anyone can do that. But uh, again, it goes so much more deeper. And uh, if you decide to watch this film or rewatch it, I point to that scene in, in when they're when they're when she's having dinner and she interacts with the waitress. There is such a immersion that is happening. I mean, really, I, I would consider it method acting, and it may initially sounds silly to say method acting for what you know this this kind of goofy character yes it is that much of an immersion to it uh, and it really is a class above for that reason okay all right uh, as far as what we have with the the actual feel of the movie the shots the cinematographies uh, i mean this is really top notch uh this uh, the note i have for myself is a masterpiece in monotony you take mm, okay. once again you take the setting uh, of a Midwest, uh, parking garages, snow, uh, a pain for travel, up, uh, uh, you know, uh, crappy cars. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, all of these are window dressings for any other story. For the Coen brothers, this is an ability to cast a very specific feeling of, wow, these criminals, these the the plots that are unfolding. They have nothing more. This is this is this is it, and that is why maybe they're even led to those those desires mm-hmm. for getting above in the society because 100%. they have nothing else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's in those shots of blank whites uh, on a snow covered parking lot. Uh, it is odd to say, but again, monotony has never been so entertaining to watch on screen, and uh, it really is something else. Uh, and uh, I think the film does a great job as well that even if you don't have maybe some of these expectations going into the film or know anything about the film, you slowly are emerged into this world, uh, you're slowly immersed, rather, into this film that... You learn to to appreciate these type of shots that they where they hang on uh, an entire snow blanketed landscape and only one tracks of tires and what does that mean mm, for mm-hmm. for the story unfolding and what does that maybe mean for who's driving behind that car that's leaving that track of tires it is it, I mean I I I, I want to say I, obviously I don't know the full production history around this film but. I, I gotta say, it, it feels like such a pet project, such a passion project yeah. for the Coen brothers that very rarely do I see a film and say, wow, they, you know, I think they probably pulled off damn near close to their original vision in their head, you know, the, 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 the ideal Yeah, that excitement of this. that you have when it's in your head and mm-hmm. you just try to do your best to convey to people. Absolutely, and Fargo is that. Uh, I think I think is such a such a follow through uh, for it. It's, is there something to? I don't want to. I don't want to undercut the film by saying um, simplicity at its very best. Mm. But there is a simplicity to the film. Mm-hmm. It, in my opinion, at least when I viewed it, is that is that not giving it enough credit? Is it? I think no. I think that's giving it good because simplicity uh, again. It's executed. Uh, uh, well, that's, so that's well. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We're like I call back oftentimes to like Whiplash. Mm-hmm, in my sure. opinion, like nothing major going on there. Very simple film. Mm-hmm. So good because the yep. execution is there in spades. And I I kind of feel that way with Fargo. Yep. I'm not going to say it's like this crazy simple film, mm-hmm. but there is this simplicity to it. I don't know if it's just the setting or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of. Simplicity at at its highest level, kind Absolutely. of, or at the highest art form that you can get from. Absolutely, it. and I think it's easy to look past for that reason. Uh, I mean, down to the to the simple fact that I've seen this film before, but never really felt a, a huge reason to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, it's in that simplicity that when you find extra meaning, or you find wow, there is a tie to. Uh, the themes of this film, and there's you walk away th- with this film to say, wow, th- there's actually a reason why this was set in the Midwest. There was a reason why uh, this was a Minnesota mm. story. Uh, I think, again, the care, the execution, the planning, uh, it comes from only really follow-throughing on what I would imagine it was the true vision uh, of, of this project for the Coen brothers then, so... And and really, much like their best movies, the storytelling about crime itself is top notch. It's you always look, it's always beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you even look to maybe some of the you know the other type of I wouldn't say lower end, but maybe not the the huge hits like a Burn After Reading or something like that. They're always they're always telling movies around plots. I, I will certainly lean towards 
No Country for Old Men. You know, it is a movie of everyone trying to get uh, above each other on something. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're 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 crawling and they're climbing. I think it's matched so well once again with the true desperation of wow, we just live in the most monotonous place possible, <laughs> and there there is truly nothing for us. So we have to plot and we have to try to edge ourselves above. And uh, I think for that reason, I mean, I really just did fall fall in love. I, I think bottom line, it's the keystone to why it works uh, so well. Because again, elevator pitch of this movie, you could come away and say, oh, I mean, is that really that important for me to watch? Right, you know? right, of course. Sounds pretty simple. Sounds maybe even a little boring, but it's because of the Midwest stylings. It's because of the monotony uh, that holds a storytelling to itself. I mean, this is what makes this film truly, truly great. Uh, you know, the storytelling within those stylings, honestly, it's it's like no other. Uh, and I don't think anyone else would really try because I think Fargo stands on its own as pretty pretty legendary in, in, in the films of the 90s and launching the Coen brothers into definitely some stardom if they didn't have it before then. Absolutely, so. yeah. But with that said, we will go ahead and give <laughs> Fargo... An 88. Woo! An 88. Absolutely big boy alert. That is a big, big boy alert. <laughs> That's going on the must-watch section of the Absolutely. website. Absolutely, 88 is a big score and, and well-deserving. Oh, 100%. And I, I think most people listening would be... Would, it wouldn't be too surprised. Sure, and, and like, I, I think at low eighties is still a great score. Yeah, I can see it going yeah. there, but the fact that it, you know you give that ticket above eighty five and everything mm -hmm. like that, um, I mean that's a bit, yeah, that's a huge film right there. I'm telling you, if folks at home, if you hear that score and you say, "Oh, that's a little high for that," I'm telling you, uh, there is such a follow through. It's it's amazing. Awesome, yeah, um, it is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, eighty eight, phenomenal score. I'm not sure if we'll hit that again in, in, <laughs> in a while. That's rare to pop up that high. Right, it's right. There's only a handful of films that really hit that. Very so, true. Very um, true. That's good to have. And the first film too. So it's interesting because we have Fargo, which is extremely, um, again, it's recognizable name whether you've seen it or mm, not. Absolutely. And then we're going to a movie where is not was not on my radar at all. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in how you kind of stumbled upon it or what made you bring what what brought it to you now. Oh sure. Uh, but we're gonna jump to Thoroughbred. Directed mm. by Corey Finley. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm glad you introduced it in that way because really this landed on my radar for a few things. Um, Thoroughbreds uh, has a cast that has Anton Yelchin in it. Uh, it is, I believe, the last movie he is credited with. Anton Yelchin. Charlie Bennett, I think the uh, the comedy was uh, was Chekhov in the new Star Trek films, and uh, died very tragically in a, yeah. in, a, in a car uh, accident or car related accident. So that was I always enjoyed his acting style, uh, and I wanted to yeah, see. Yeah, he was in a dark movie called uh, The Green Room. Mm, oh yes, a good callback. Green yeah, Room, yeah, phenomenal, absolutely. Yeah, with Patrick Stewart as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, on the other hand, uh, why this kind of landed re-watched or, or, or on, on my list once again is what I'm trying to say is uh, the director is uh, the director of Bad Education, which I was pretty pretty positive yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, that was a really interesting movie. I was kind of looking for more from the director, and what do you know? He This was his, I believe, his first feature-length work then. So uh, this movie, let's talk about it a little bit. Very much the elevator pitch is a American Psycho-like movie. Certainly not as surreal. Certainly not as um, dreamlike <laughs> or nightmare-like <laughs> as an American Psycho. And I think... If I was to stick too long with that comparison, I think that dispositions yourself, if you haven't seen this film, in a bad way. It's probably the closest, the closest comparison we can make, though, because the film is very much about the topic of sociopaths. Okay. Uh, sociopaths in a rich society in a very much like a, a Hamptons level, uh, private, very quaint life. These are around children that are raised in very unconventional ways, left with a lot of agency, left with almost a 
an odd development pattern of how they're growing up on themselves. And the film has a lot of commentary of what does that being a sociopath or what 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 that type of mental diagnosis diagnosis truly means uh, for okay. our characters. And that's where that comparison is as far as it's close. I'm going to start with some negatives uh, to get him out of the way. Uh, there's some real oddball dialogue here. Uh, I think it makes the first let's say 20, 25 minutes, a little cringe, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I was really not enjoying the first half of this. It does go away. Stick it out because that dialogue is there to kind of draw a comparison later on in the film. And most importantly, though it's kind of hard to stomach, it does go away after a while. I I mean, it's only an hour and a half. Uh, Sure, yeah. It is is breezy. It's just like one third of the film. Uh, That's a good point. And when you say the dialogue, like, what about it? It's just Um, unrealistic, or it's just, like, it's just oddly unfitting? Stilted. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But but it's because some characters are playing a a part. They're they're playing a role within within the role itself. And there's also a juxtaposition throughout the entire film of of this, uh, you know, of of sociopaths and, and how maybe sociopaths come to be formed, how they maybe interweave themselves in certain uh, mover and shaker society. And sometimes it just plainly doesn't land. Uh, I would say mostly it does land after a little bit. Though. Okay. So all right. All right. Yeah, that's good. Something to note. And I would say definitely worth sticking out. Uh, but uh, what I would draw to as well, uh, as far as a highlight, uh, much like how the teenage element in Bad Education uh, makes that movie from good to probably great. This movie hmm. creates uh, a, a lot of fun edginess uh, in the teenage element of it. It's by no means a teen movie, but uh, there is a rebelliousness. There is a, an enjoyment that I think a lot of uh, a lot of audience members can get behind uh, in the teenage elements and then being the, the subject matter. Would it, would you consider it, and I have, like, I, I know very, very little about this movie. Is it like a, um, a very weird coming of age film, like um, a coming of age film for like psychopaths. I, well, I would I would say coming of age is definitely a, a theme it's trying to tackle for sure. <laughs> but I just uh, the way you're going about it, I'm trying to picture it in my head. Yeah, because I'm very I'm very uh, ignorant on this on this one. Yeah, and, this and film. I was as well. Even going into this, I because I, again I was trying to see Anton Yelchin's role in this. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, he plays a totally different character on as far as what I had as expectations. Okay, so, uh, it's definitely out there but i think that's that's definitely much like if there was to be a, a twist to the film a, a good a good indicator of the arc that the film has gotcha, it starts okay. as one thing and really spirals somewhere else okay then, so but as far as a note with with those teenagers i think you know this it makes the movie so much more than what it is and i think especially you're you're watching that first 20 it kind of feels like an awkward comedy uh and there's very much tropes like the mean stepdad and and, and it's 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 just all used in such a creative way in the script but that ammo is used very well in the script okay. and what what the what the story yields upon is 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 really top notch uh, it's gr- it's really great stuff I, I was just pleased with that mashing of the style and and again maybe maybe Corey likes directing those type of stories because there's there's a a natural association we can all have to a teenage element sure like that you know maybe wanting to be a little bit rebellious and uh and just for the sake of it or something so uh it was it was good music is something to note as well um very purposeful sound design. I would say I'm a little bit 50-50 on it because overall, I mean, some spots, I really didn't dig the music. It's definitely purposeful in how it is, but... It wasn't landing too much. Yeah, the, the actual score itself. Now, the sound design uh, of that, you know, basically, you know, two sides of the same coin, the sound design I really loved. For instance, the the mean stepdad character, mm-hmm. he has one of those rowing machines that has, like, the ca- encapsulated water. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's used in this droning madness that it's always heard throughout the house. And oh. Very cool stuff. Yeah, that, very, is, that, that is cool. Yeah, very cool stuff being done there. Uh, so uh, a little bit of give and take for that reason. Score, soundtrack, mm, 
but uh, sound design, definitely a thumbs up. Oh, very interesting. So. Okay. Bottom line, though, uh, I had my experience, or my expectations, rather, subverted big time on this film. I thought <laughs> Anton Yelchin was the bad guy. No. <laughs> I thought it was one thing. No. Uh, so, and I, I think I ended up really appreciating this film for how much it mel- melded the styles, and not that it was kind of a... a kind of a honeymoon experience that I, you know, liked it so much because my expectations were subverted. I really do think there is some solid good from this film. And if I would have seen this and then led into bad education, I think there's some really appreciation of what the director is doing as far as the uh, progression. Okay. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, phenomenal. I'm forgetting, mm, I'm always forgetting the, the, the second female lead. Uh, <laughs> I think it's something Cook, player one. Yeah, yeah, Olivia Cook. Olivia Cook, that's it. Both of them, uh, fantastic. They play off each other in, in such a great way. I, I, I don't have really much more to say. I think give this one a watch. I certainly have my eyes on Corey Finley as a director. And we're going to go ahead and give Thoroughbreds a 78. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is it a good time? Wow, yeah. I was, like I said, I was just so ignorant on the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely going to check that out. 78 is a, very, that's a really good score. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in some ways, if, huh, if I had to put the, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, on the box cover comparison to American Psycho up against each other, I think I even preferred this over American Psycho. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Where, wh- where the hell did this come from, this movie? I know, right? <laughs> well, it was his first, his first uh, directorial debut. Anna Taylor I'm Joy you, was well, definitely earlier on in her career. This was I, before Queen's Gambit and yada yada. Yeah, you know? I'm glad you're uh, sh- shining a light on it then for sure. Yeah. I mean, so, like I said, 78 is a very, very good score. I, and this is, a, this is a good movie. This is a good, good movie. Wow, so even that dialogue in like, that first like, act or that first third of the film, uh, it, it, it doesn't. It, it can only bring it down so much. It can only bring it down so much and, uh, and the and it's purpose the behind it too. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. You we, hit the nail on the yeah. head. Uh, we it, won't go into it deeper than that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cool, all right. Damn. Okay. Well, I don't, let's see if it keeps on going. We're, 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 <laughs> Where two are we going? Very good films here. I told you it was a solid week. It was a solid week. All right. Well, let's let's keep it going then. So we're going to uh, go to an actor that we've been kind of, you know, Adam Driver. We've been hitting heavy. Yes. Lately, which is great. Absolutely. Because we're both Adam Adam's Driver fans. My boy. Uh, but we're going to go to 2019. This is The Report. Yes. Okay. So this was definitely in my dive to see more of Adam Driver. Uh, I think uh, I, I really enjoy him on screen. Um, I think for me, uh, Marriage Story is still the top as far as kind of critical performances. Uh, but The Report is really solid. Uh, this is a movie about the investigation into Guantanamo and is very much a spotlight on Adam Driver for him to act in a critical uh in a critical capacity there are obviously supporting cast here but it is really his story and his story to shine with that it's good because i think bottom line he is the key to take this story higher than a simple uncovering a government plot type of story I think this movie rises above uh, in a lot of what it decides to put the focus on. Investigative work, while the film is diving into uncovering the the main plot of how they're finding out about Guantanamo, what exactly is being done, and the, and the investigation into it, that investigation work is given a stage. And I think it works as a story because... While Adam is, or I I actually forget his character name, if I'm being honest. Uh, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Uh, While that investigative work is taking place, how do you make a how do you make a captivating story about him just being in a sealed room with documents and a computer? Super. Yeah. It's very difficult. I think this film does a wonderful job because in those moments, there's excitement in what he's diving into. Certainly his passion raises from kind of a lukewarm uh, NSA uh, type of government agent to someone very passionate and and, and getting more and more obsessed with this case. Uh, I think it works as a story because during that investigative work, we're not necessarily seeing him, you know, typing on a computer. We are seeing the most important and most electric story beats around the subject matter being played out for us. Okay. I think this boils down to, in storytelling, you want this to be the most important time in the characters' lives. This works because that investigative element for the first, you know, four, uh, 
three-fifths of the film uh, is focused on the most important beats of the uh, of the plot and what it wants to shine a light on, basically. So, as far as and this is actually, I was I was interested to to talk about this with you, Tom. I think the politics for this movie are done pretty well because it's not necessarily trying to do trying to throw mud or shine a spotlight on one side. Bush, Obama, the administrations between those two time periods, it's only used as a backdrop for what's going on in the forefront with this character. You took you took a watch in this film, I don't know when... I watched it relatively, because um, it was an Amazon original. Mm-hmm. So when it came on Amazon, uh, I don't know, maybe... Uh... Six months after it came out, something like that. Yeah, I'd be curious because I, I thought the politics were done in a way that they did not get in the way too much, and there were more window dressing for the story. Whereas I, I don't know, I, I, I that was just my temperature on it. I, was I curious would say, I would say it was it was slanted towards a side, mm-hmm. um, but it was not a big slant. How about that? Sure, it's tough yes. to say it was direct 50 50, mm-hmm. um, love and hate in either direction. Mm-hmm. I do think just a little bit more love might have been given to. I mean, honestly, I, I was impressed by it, sure. especially with how heated things are. I mean, this was only 2019, so right, extremely right. heated, absolutely. Um, I was, I it was, it was a bit of a um. It was refreshing. Yeah. I was watching it and be like, oh, this is kind of nice because like you said, it takes a bit of a backdrop. It's yeah. like, what's the bigger mm-hmm. over overarching story here? And mm-hmm. we're following this one guy and his, we're following his story. Right. And and that was really nice. So I thought it was relatively balanced. Not quite, I mean, there were a couple things, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I did agree. It, it was, it was, it was knocking down both sides. Exactly. And yet, and there was bringing light to both sides as well. Yeah. And again, for a 2019 movie that has to do somewhat with somewhat modern day politics, mm-hmm. it, it, it's impressive in itself, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that it was a balancing act that I appreciated. I'm glad that we're on the same page with this because in the back of my mind, I was saying, wow, isn't this much better than Vice? You know, <laughs> isn't this much mm. more of a, uh, it's about the story and not the spin. Uh, and listen, you know, there is, regardless of whatever side you fall on, I think having a, not not a neutral position, because obviously this film is about uh, some very heavy subject matter oh, yeah. that affects both sides of, of, you know, the administration between Bush and, and, and Obama. This is a film, though, that does do that balancing act and, and has an approach that it's at least trying to do that, you know? Right. It's about the subject matter. It's it, That politics, there are, there are window dressings to this. Uh, they, obviously, a very mm-hmm, integral mm-hmm. part, it is interwoven because it has right, you to can't be have this, You can't yeah. have the story without those things. With, exactly, but... It, without it, the politics involved. I, I felt I was more surprised in a positive way uh, of the care that was put towards that, where, again, in the back of my head, I think we're on the same page with Vice. It was, you know, more of a hit piece than anything, so... Yeah, or just... or it, mm. Two totally different angles yeah. com- coming out of film. For sure. Big time, big and, time. And again, I can't stress enough for folks at home, it's not at all around with the content of what politics are. It's, again, it's, it's as far as the filmmaking... Itself, what are they trying to tell the story about, and how much does that need to be an operative uh, role in that storytelling? Right, you know, right, the right. politics themselves. So, uh, I will say the film gets a bit weaker once the investigation is over. I think that really is the height, and surprisingly, it kind of keeps up some stakes in some ways that I did not exactly expect, but. Once that gas runs out, um, yeah, the film gets slower and slower. It's it, it loses that praise that I was giving it that the spotlight is on what's obviously the most important aspects of this story and kind of takes a step away from there. Uh, It's good that it's real but it's missing some spice to keep up the same level of interest that was there I think in the first half of the film. So... Bottom line, I think Mm -hmm. uh, if you want an investigative government I won't say thriller but maybe like a thriller light this movie really does hit the nail on the head and again I want to give a lot of praise to the balancing act uh, that it achieves with what is obviously a, a very messy topic both in what the report is but also again the situation the setting if you will the political setting behind the scenes definitely one of the better performances for Adam Driver not reaching the heights of what I've watched recently and what I really love for Adam Driver but definitely a feather in his cap for this one. We're going to go ahead and give the report 
a 73. 73. Man, another good score. And like I said, the, this was a solid that, week. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, not too much variance, uh, but... Uh, no, but that's really good. Yeah, yeah. And Adam Driver, I think, could only be so explosive. I mean, you're dealing with, right. like, you know what I mean? He has to play the character for kind of how it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And um, you can only do so much when you're dealing with kind of a, you know, a real story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the time thing. It's almost, again, so what are we at? Like in that, so it's like two hours, and it's almost like, well, maybe if we would have shortened it to an hour, half hour, or 40. Mm-hmm. True keep that. Keep snappy, keep yeah, it quick. You know what I mean? It's pretty Absolutely. funny. Just a kind of a through line that's been yeah, happening I know, here. I know, yeah. Okay, 73, really good. Again, I, wasn't, I was expecting maybe 60s or something, so that's a nice little surprise there. Yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Okay, so that's that's our three older films here. We're about to step into our ones that are in theaters or one that just came out. Uh, but first, again, we want to just give give our little pitch, to describe to you kind of how we operate the podcast. Vin and I host the podca- podcast. I come in, turn the mics on, and then Vin watches all the movies and does all the work. And then, essentially. <laughs> but... Um, Cutting yourself short, though. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? You all produce this podcast for us. You keep it going through monetary donations. We're not really doing corporate sponsorship or anything like that. We don't really want to uh, have just terrible ads on our site that bog down our site. And, you know, we look at you as producers and not listeners. And if you could, you go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com. And we're kind of going off the value for value model. So are you getting value from us, the podcast, the website? Uh, and if so, could you give us back some value on, you know, monetarily, basically? And you could do a fun little donation in the amount that you want that has per- meaning to you. You could do a one-time donation, subscription if you want. And it's it's, it's fun. We really, really appreciate it because this does take some time and money. Uh, definitely a lot of time as well, a little bit of money. And it's just kind of keeping this going. And you can write a note. We'll read your note on air. You mm-hmm. know, this is what we call the producer segment. So we give all you guys a shout out. Uh, if you want to be anonymous, just say, hey, I want to be anonymous. But we'll still read your note. And then through any amount of time, if you happen to hit $500 that you give us, it's, it's a lot of money. But if you do, there's some perks involved with that as well. And uh, so we appreciate you coming on with this ride with us. We're building a tribe. We're kind of building a family here. Absolutely. And... Um, yeah, it, we're looking to do some some pretty fun things in the future, and we thank you so much for participating, basically, and helping mm-hmm. us keep this going. Mm-hmm. So again, it's the daily ratings, the donations tab, and we thank you, producers, so much. Now, with that said, let's move on to our newly released films. Uh, we'll start with the Will Smith movie here. It's King Richard, and it's directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green. What do we have? Okay, fantastic. So we uh, this is, of course, the sports biopic for Venus and Serena Williams. Oddly enough, and and to some criticism of the film, uh, I I I want to see the young actresses have the spotlight. They certainly have some spotlight, but this is the Will Smith show. Uh, I'll be honest, as far as an audience member for this one, I guess King Richard, uh, their father, was a very charismatic, very media, not obsessed, but media-focused coach in their life and created a lot of hype around the Williams sister sisters uh, will smith does bring a lot to this role and is given a dramatic stage i think right out of the gate though will smith is gunning for his oscar with this one uh, is it in your is he doing a good job or is it just in your face uh let's let's get into that a little bit uh, his <laughs> okay. performance is an odd one for sure oh okay All right. um but uh, admittedly uh, the actual uh, real life character the the real what am i saying real life character the, 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 the actual the actual man uh, has a very particular uh, vocal inflection. I don't know nationality-wise where he's from, but Will Smith is doing very much a kind of his approach to a kind of a method acting with this immersion into this character. Okay. Richard, so how does he do it? Okay. I, I, I mean, I think it. I think Will Smith is a good match for the love that is needed in this role. You know, this hmm. is a story about a father uh, and and his often questioned methods of how he's raising not only two soon-to-be, you know, tennis prodigies, but as well a very large family and uh, societal elements that are constantly challenging, constantly challenging the family. So I think there is there is a lot that Will Smith brings. I think, unfortunately, though, it's in the quiet moments when he's when he's 
really, really acting mm-hmm. when he's delivering dialogue. Because uh, the quiet, let me let me track that back. The quiet moments are absolutely the acting as well. Right, right. It's 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 in the dialogue delivery is where I think it just kind of sometimes it, it just hits or misses. Does it come across like he's trying too hard? Or is it a just l- weird? A little bit, like in concussion, where it's a little weird sometimes. Tell the truth. Uh, and yeah, like doing that, like yeah. It, it, actually, that's a great that's a great analogy with concussion. I forget that he was he was working with like a heavy accent in that. And like some people loved it. It was yeah. It was just very. Heavy. I remember it being talked about a lot. Yes, yes. Very similarly, there is a shell shock with this as well. You hear him talk for the first time, and you go, "Oh, this uh. is going to be the whole movie." <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because you have a better memory on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with Will Smith, I guess it might be hit or miss because you have those concussion thing, like the concussion thing and the accent. You're saying it again for this one, mm-hmm. but he played Muhammad Ali and like you oh, loved him. Oh, I loved him in because that. the key has like a weird cadence and everything mm-hmm. like that, and like he mm-hmm. did a great job. But yeah, it's just interesting how he's hit or miss. Yeah, I think it's it's just the odder the voice. Uh, I I think. Sometimes it's just like, uh, am I supposed to take Will Smith seriously here, or or is he is he the Fresh Prince? And I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that every actor is going to be haunted in that way, but Will Smith is primarily, I think, a comedic actor. I like seeing him in dramatic roles, but when he does something so far reaching like this, I f- at least personally, I feel like it's it's kind of hard to take him seriously a little bit in this film. So how did you? Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up how he's good with in the father role though. Like that's where he kind of shines. Yes, the love specifically. Right, and uh, then I'm I'm automatically brought to like uh, what's the movie? Is it Seven Pounds? Oh yes, with him and, his, and, yep, and yep, boy and when his, he's young, when mm-hmm. he's young, yeah. Um, and he was he was very well received in that with that yeah. role. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think uh, very similarly, he's going for something that you know he he's going for awards season, which is not a problem. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I, I'm sure we'll probably talk about Oscar bait. I I quite a bit in the in the in the coming months. I don't think this would be Oscar bait. It it is very much trying to be a mix of a really good ESPN doc and an Oscar winning film. Interesting. You know? Okay. That, that feels like totally the mission statement in, in the writer's room. I can see know? that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a sports doc, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, a huge highlight here. I think for a sports doc, there needs to be adversity and there needs to be conflict. I mean, that's really any story, but there needs to be something holding what we know to be a prolific star there needs right. to be something holding them back. There needs to be a conflict here. And it, uh, I personally did not know the full track record of the, the Williams sisters' history, but there was a large gap that they were not playing games. They were not allowed to play games because of uh, uh, because of their father and, and, and a very particular plan that he had set in place. Instead, this film decides to put that conflict on man versus society, and it covers it in a really, really good way. Ooh. Instead of, like you would think in a normal kind of sports biopic, uh, of maybe some mm, uh, they lost that match, or ah man, they're having trouble with the with the power of uh, of, of the attention of pressure and whatnot, and, and, and their meteoric rise. It has some of that. It's not concerned with that. Instead, it's concerned with their father's struggle with going into tennis, a very white-collar type of sport, Mm -hmm. very, very high society, and coming from the ghetto, and coming from... I believe it is Compton specifically at the time. So man versus society, man versus his elements, the culture around him, that is what King Richard is fighting for his daughters to have a better future. And I think it really nails a very, very good story, especially in the first half of this before we get into the serious tennis elements. Right, right. Uh, I think the setup is 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 great. Wow, I okay. think That's they, good they to hear. problem solved so effectively with what would otherwise be be a painfully boring start to the story until they get into the tennis matches yeah. uh, and actually had a, a statement to stay with it. I think I think it's fantastic. Wow. Okay, that's really a, good balancing. Very act. cool. Okay. You know, it, it's it's this external, internal type of conflict uh, that, that Will's character has and it really is uh, something, something to watch. Uh, I think if I had to draw a comparison, you look at Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. obviously not a sports documentary but uh, or, or a biopic, but where Bohemian Rhapsody was good, 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 all the way through, uh, and almost laughably so, you okay. know, with them coming up with like new songs out, you know, out of nowhere. This film has that speckled approach to it. There has to be good and bad, and 
for the subject matter involved, I mean, these two sisters, a meteoric rise. I mean, they, they you know, the, uh, Venus is is undefeated uh, for a long time. So right, how right. do you create conflict in a story with that? It's done through the society around them, and it's really good for yeah. that reason. We've said it's so important to have that speckled approach too. Mm-hmm. It's like it's give me something, give me when something's just good all the way through. Mm-hmm. It's it's lacking depth. I don't know if that's the right yeah. word. You know what I mean? But yeah. but you make a good point of just pointing that out. Of like you you need to have that speckledness kind of to it. Yeah. It, it, bottom line, you got to have conflict in some way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, right. You need conflict. Uh, and, and that's that's more than just keeping attention. You know, that's that's stakes behind what. Are, well, is going to be our ultimate character. And if we're here. rooting for characters, it, it's like you need to have struggle in order to root for somebody. Mm-hmm. If it's just mm-hmm. all good, you can root, but this is just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's lacking an intensity, I guess, or something exactly. like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And intensity is, is, is where, where that really hits home with because, again, without this, it would be probably painfully boring. Mm. Uh, so that intensity is kept there uh, in, in a very good way. Okay, that's cool. A uh, little bit of a criticism. Cinematography's pretty damn boring here. It's passable, but this is where if there is any kind of kind of backhanded compliment of saying this is an Oscar film uh, or at least gunning for the Oscars. Uh, it's in the cinematography that's just, it's passable, not anything special. Plain though. Jane? Yeah, very plain Jane. Okay. Uh, I think it's important to note because if we're going to watch uh, an actor and actress uh, perform as a sports legend, I think it, that's got to be electric to watch, you know? There's nothing exciting yeah. done with these with the matches. There's nothing exciting done with training sequences. It's very by the books and for that reason, I mean throughout the entire film, certainly I was invested, certainly I think there was a good story being told. Uh, I I I you know, if it always goes back to my my number one critique if this is going to be a movie versus any other art form why is this story being told through a film why are why is this story being told through moving pictures on a screen that motion picture element needs to be equally entertaining and the cinematography mm. being very plain jane i think is a is a kind of a serious knock to this film wow interesting it, yeah does that make sense where i'm sure coming it from? makes sense it's it's, it's not that it's surprising to hear, but it's like the fact that the fact that cinematography was on your mind so mm-hmm. much and it weighed so much. Sure, goes to show with maybe just how boring or it actually hurt the film. Yeah, and yeah. that's rare. I mean, you can have really good cinematography, which makes a mm-hmm. movie phenomenal, mm-hmm. but to have it bring it down so much, where it's clearly was on your mind while watching it. Yeah, I, because I mean, very simply, uh, I'll, I'll put it in one of two ways. One, if the tennis matches are supposed to be our action sequences, if you will. Not very entertaining to watch on screen. And secondly, Hmm. uh, to that kind of question I posed, uh, why is this a movie? Uh, Maybe let's clock it back a little bit and say, uh, why is this not an ESPN documentary? You know, yeah, why, no. why why does it need to be a dramatized uh, thing? You know, I, that, that's, I think, where cinematography needs to step in and interesting ways to portray uh, relationships on screen, the struggle on screen, you know, the intensity of matches. You yeah, know? and I guess you just have the most, yeah, you would have the assumption of, like, these intense matches or important matches mm-hmm. would be the most engaging parts of the film. Right. And it sounds like it's the opposite. It's Almost a, the yeah. slower yeah. parts are what's... Engaging you. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. So that, that's definitely something I want to note. But bottom line, I, I really did think this was a, a pretty solid performance from Will Smith. Like I said, there's almost a little bit of a lead-in that is needed to uh, emerge yourself uh, or submerge yourself in the character to kind of maybe get past the the gut punch reaction to like, is this good acting from Will? I don't, okay. I don't really know. But again, he's playing a very particular real life man that has you know a character of his own. Yeah. Honestly, and just for some of the stuff that's been saying, like, does it make sense that a film could be made about this guy, or were you sitting there and being like, yes, this man? has a story of his own and can be told. Mm-hmm. Um, but this should really be much more about the sisters. I think you bring up a great point because while I think the the story deserves to be told for those man versus society elements mm-hmm. that Will Smith's character has to face. Right, there's not a story lacking with him. Right. However, there's something much bigger. And I think, uh, particularly in the young actresses playing the Williams sisters, mm-hmm. they do a great job. If anything, I did want the camera on them more. Uh, so, okay. Because I think yeah. they're doing solid, you know? Uh, and you hmm. know how I am with kid acting. You know, I oh, will, yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll tear it apart. <laughs> Get him off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that's 
that's where <laughs> that's where I'm positioned with it. It's just that the what we got not bad in that regard. I think it could have just had some tweaks and and been better for it for it for that reason. Okay. So, but I think uh, for a doc style or a biopic style movie, it it hits the most important mark for me is that struggle needs to be there. It cannot be good, good, good. And, you know, for that reason, I think this is definitely falling into a very solid watch. And I'll be interested to see uh, how uh, Smith wraps up uh, come awards season. Okay, all right. Uh, we will go ahead and give King Richard a 74. God. I told you, there's not much variance in these. You, had, you did have yourself a good week of watching I did. Movies. It's solid movies. Absolutely solid these are, movies. These are solid movies. Yep, absolutely. 70s are very good films. Those mm-hmm. are should-watch films. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, like we say, like 65 is a very good film. Mm-hmm. Uh, 65 is a good film, maybe, is how we should, should phrase it. I think, uh, yeah, uh, I always like using terminology like above average and things like sure, that. Sure, Because I think but that's a good catch-all. Boy, oh boy. You're doing okay. It's a good week. <laughs> Uh, we'll see for future weeks. We, yeah. Well, how about we see with this future movie here? I'm really interested to see what you have to yeah, say about yes. this. So let's get into it. This is House of Gucci, uh, uh, another big film by Ridley Scott this year. One just, uh, right. One just came out, which we just reviewed, The Last Duel. Yep, yep. Like, what, within a month of each other? I know. I, I'm very curious of the actual production. Was this simultaneous or... Uh, well, actually, Adam Driver would, is in both, so, like... I know. It's just like, it was one, was like, COVID, so it was slow as yeah. they waited. But, okay, mm-hmm. regardless, House of Gucci with Ridley Scott. What do we have here, man? Yes. Uh, House of Gucci, uh, in the cast, Lady Gaga, it is her stage for manipulation. And while I was going into this with hopes that it had... The style of the actual, the style of the time, the style of the characters, much like the show uh, Assassination of Versace, it, it, it didn't have that in, in, in quite the way I wanted to. Now, granted, that is my own uh, personal bias to it, but uh, nonetheless, uh, that manipulation, that, uh, that type of almost social engineering that happens throughout this film and in the true real-life events of uh, the Gucci family, really interesting to watch. I think Lady Gaga's performance is top-notch in this. It, there, there's subtlety. There is... I, 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 I'm going to be showing my bias to Italians, but I like the <laughs> subtlety that she leans into some more old-world Italian kind of tarot card reading, Malocchia fortune-telling things. Sure, you sure, know? sure. It show, it, there's definitely a lot of care put into the Italian aspects of this film, and you might be saying, well, no, duh, it's, it's Gucci. Uh, but I, I think there was a, a nice balancing act put there, uh, and it does uh, play into the story as well of the very different worlds that Lady Gaga's character and uh, Adam Driver's character come from. You know, uh, the Gucci the family. Roots, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Gucci family is, I mean, really a, a uh, you know a a kind of an old money, old blood type of family when it comes into this, and we see an evolution to the standing of what. Gucci means in the modern day throughout the film, and that evolution is is through ambition, and behind that ambition is absolutely once again manipulation, and that and that's the really the stylings and the conflict in this film. The beginning act uh, definitely is the oddest. There's a lot of setup needed. And I think we, we, we mentioned this together. Uh, we, we, we saw this separately, separately, Tom and I, folks. And uh, the music is just used in a very odd way. I think it was maybe a, kind of a it, post-production it, use to keep it snappier. Maybe they, the test screenings thought this was like a little bit too boring or something like that. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but it is something we both noted. And we yeah. were like, yeah, what was up with that? What was up with the music? Song choice and placement. Uh, yeah. I'll make one I'll make one reference here. Yes, I'll yes. step in. Let's make the Tom ratings here. <laughs> the record ratings. Um, <laughs> Tom Tushin. There was one. At one point, Donna Summers' I Feel Love was playing. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh. I, I was literally, it was taking me out of the film because I was just like, oh, okay. So finally, this song makes sense right, right. for this time period. And then like, there's kind of, not like there's a huge drop to the song. But there, there is a point point where like a beat kind of picks up, and there is a bit of a drop, and it's like the scene was leading to something, and it's like, oh, this is gonna like is <laughs> leading something, and bam, here we go, right. boom, and then it just like wasn't there, right? And it's just like, okay, so we just crush 
that completely. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. The, it was very strange. The wet, uh, Yeah, there was another scene where it's just like, uh, what? <laughs> I, I know, because some music is used very intentionally for a Forrest Gump style, like we need to set the time place in in, in motion. Other music, it doesn't follow those rules. It and it seems, doesn't follow those yeah, rules Yeah, it doesn't at all. follow the time rules. So it's like, well, where are we with this design, you know? I think it, it, that probably stands out the most in this beginning kind of romancing stage uh, in the first half of the film. And, and again, I think if I obviously not sure if I was a betting man, I would say that that probably came out in a test run of the film and that the beginning half was too boring and very much committee mentality uh, music was put into it. Uh, just an, just a, a guess, a ballpark, but definitely something to note because took me out of it. And I think I think a lot of people will be noticing it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was just a me and you thing. Absolutely. It can be sticklers when it comes to the whole music thing and everything. Yeah. Uh, I think for good reason, especially in this film. Yeah, and I think it, think it, what it boils down to is that the music isn't great throughout, uh, or, or even just the, the score and the sound design isn't great, but that first beginning part is noticeably bad. So, definitely a, a knock there. So, But uh, this movie picks up in a very good way. Once we get into the business dealings of Gucci and the conniving steps up. That is where the magic is. And almost so to the detriment of the film, towards the end, we kind of step slowly and slowly away from those business dealings for thematic reasons. You know, the, uh, our, our, our understanding of those business dealings is, is kind of stolen away. Uh, it gets weaker once again, and I just want to say that this movie is at its best when you are in the running of Gucci, in the heyday, uh, with mm. you know that feeling of uh, the Donna Summer song. You know that that feeling is is evocative of wow, this is not only big business, this is not only like a you know Italian tradition. It is it is cool, it is sexy, and, and the the fashion elements are where the movie is at its best. It's on the runway. It's on them approaching right, these knockoffs right. yep. uh, of the of the handbags and whatnot. That's the, that's where the movie really hits home. I, I just kind of say, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not one to say, oh, I wish this movie could have been something else and, and knock it for that reason. So I'm I'm not going to say that it's necessarily a a huge negative, but I think some fat could be trimmed on this film for that reason, and more importantly, just get us to what we all know is going to be the best part, and that's running Gucci. Does that make sense? Oh, oh 100% it makes sense. I mean, yeah. it does. again, I saw the film, so it, mm-hmm. it definitely makes sense and, and hits home completely with me. Absolutely. To the point where, like, let's focus on what is striking with the film and mm-hmm. moving it along, because... I was checking my watch multiple times. <laughs> I'd see it because I didn't even look at the time before. Um, I didn't look how long the film was going, yep. going into it. And I was just like, another hour just went by. And it's, I feel like a lot has to happen. I mean, it's two hours and 40 minutes. Right. Right. Oh, my God. It is two hours and 40 minutes. Yes, it is. Oh yes, it so is. So, definitely trim more fat. Yeah. Yeah. This is the prime rib. Yes. I mean, I was I was bitching about it walking out of the, out yeah. of the movie. Absolutely. And that sucks. You don't want that. For it's sure. the last thing you want. For sure. For sure. And, and um, it, it's tough because that middle part is so, so good. Uh, also, another thing to note, uh, sets and lighting are a really big highlight in this section. Uh, I, I'm not one to particularly follow like costume design and whatnot and visual design but I could see this snatching up the Oscar very easily just because of how much there is a submersion into the 80s Gucci style mm-hmm. 80s yeah. and 90s so I think there's a, there's definitely a kind of a time portal or time machine aspect to that which is great let's talk about the cast probably the most important part of this film uh, some are good I think Driver and Gaga do uh, a great job. I-, I would like a little bit more out of Adam Driver in this performance, but uh, Marcuccio, I think, is the character's name. It obviously plays much more of a reserved, and it also plays a little bit into his arc as well with Gaga's character for the story. You would say uh, it's almost like he can only go so far just like his character in the report. Uh, sure. It is what the character is. I think that, yeah, He's perfect. Playing it, playing it to the T's. You're knocking it out of the park today. <laughs> just follow along. <laughs> yeah, just paying attention for the rest. <laughs> Some are bad, uh, most notably Jeremy Irons. I think his performance is laughable. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and I like Jeremy Irons. 
Even I, like I think he's a phenomenal actor. I I like him a lot, and he's he's cool as ice in this film. But he breaks accent multiple times. Now there there are technically, I mean, I don't know. I, there there's technically some some potential for him mixing accents and true to the character or true to the real life person. I'm telling you though, not a good performance that was phoned in for Jeremy, and I want him to do better. You really think? Wow, I you're think going that far to say phoned in? Yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I would agree with that. Okay, I I just think it, the it, accent breaking. Yes, yes. Okay, good, good. I just feel like it's. Uh, I mean, the character itself is kind of given almost like a, a one note type of arc, you know, yeah, or maybe absolutely. even not an arc at all. So yeah, no, yeah that's a sure. little of the criticism. But the great, uh, I I mean, against all odds, folks. <laughs> If you told me, if you told me my favorite part of this movie would be not only Al Pacino, but the combination of Al Pacino and Jared Leto, I, I, I would tell you, bold-faced liar. Bold-faced liar. <laughs> they are phenomenal in this. So good. Jer- I, I think this may be quite potentially one of the probably top three performances for Jared Leto. And oh, my that's, gosh. I think without a doubt. Yeah. Well, you have Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, true, true. And Dallas- then this? Maybe maybe throw Fight Club in there. He's he's always one to uh, over overact. What is he in Fight Club? He's uh he's the guy that uh, Edward Norton beats up. Uh, he's the blonde guy. Uh, he uh, where Edward Norton's like uh, I want to destroy something beautiful. Wow, it's very early in his career too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not in, like a huge role, but right, right, right. Uh, but anyway, as far as. I mean, their performances on screen, it is entertaining. I mean, again, I, I I love Al Pacino. I love him. I love him. I love him. I think he's, you know, I was not exactly ecstatic to see him in the casting of this, especially coming off of Irishman, you know. I, 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 was, I was worried that the the Italian elements <laughs> were, were going to be a little bit nauseating, but the the combo of them together were uh, it was honestly it was the, the best moments on screen. I, I think they were just so entertaining to watch. And again, against all odds, Lido <laughs> specifically was amazing. Like he, was really he, good. Uh, he's it's, really it's, good. Yeah, almost all arrogance and uh, and pompous kind of acting that stupidity yeah yeah (laughs) everything we associate with leto as an actor were were, was out the window and and if anything i gotta give him a really really good job because it was he he played a different character than he normally legitimately forgot he was in the i knew he was in the movie going into it the trailer and everything like that i'm watching him i took it I didn't realize it until the second scene he was in. Yep. And yep. I literally almost said it aloud. I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. right. I no, forgot. I I <laughs> uh, and again, I think, I think the praise boils down to he's playing such a different character than he normally would uh, and does it well, executes it well, and that's everything. So, yeah. Um, but again, oh man. Uh, I, may, maybe there's a, there's a little bit of a honeymoon phase I have with it because, again, I, I would say against all odds, but it, is, it, it, was, it was a pleasant surprise. It really that. was. Yeah. I would I would put Gaga over Pacino though. I uh, yeah I agree with that. I, I definitely and so would. much more screen time and just the way she held it. Absolutely, her presence was extremely was extremely good on screen. Absolutely, yeah. And even Gaga and Pacino together, I think that's a that's some magic. That yeah, the film great has. pair. Yeah, yeah. So, like we said, the cast itself probably one of the more important elements. Uh, and if anything of what we're saying as far as their performances or you know you really like this cast uh, I, I think that that definitely contributes to a big factor of something you should watch then uh, bottom line though I think this is a, a big film and while there are very very memorable parts it comes off less memorable in the execution because of the split r- focus of romance in the first third business in the second third and then back to romance in the in the final third right right and it it that is especially highlighted because of the runtime uh and very simply that the romance is absolutely the weaker part of what the film follows through on it's the less entertaining part and it is i do, think do the less feeling, electric part so how about on first act romance versus third act romance it's like one better than the other i would say third act because it, it, it at least is follow throughing uh, on some of the themes set in the first act so, so you like completion uh, yeah. kind of of the story yeah. or whatever okay. uh, but uh it, it's and i think a, a a bad mark on that first act is again the music is particularly uh, ah. and notably bad so <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think uh, little is done to tie back themes to that first act. Not in not all of it, but again, if if that runtime of two forty is going to be justified, you got to do something with the themes and the tie back here. There is certainly an evolution of the Gucci family that we see. There is a a long, you know, this long runtime definitely does add to the the runway of what we are seeing them spiral down and and how things kind of end up in in reality with the Gucci brand. I think for me though, while none of it is bad, it's not certainly great either. So, uh, Ridley Scott, sorry we couldn't hit it out of the park this year. Maybe try three movies next time. House of Gucci <laughs> gets a seventy-one. Seventy-one. All right. Hey, we kept it. We kept it high though. We kept it above the seventy. Yes. Yes. This might want to be like the most consistently good show almost. I done. would say so. I'm sorry if maybe the ratings are a little bit boring, but all these are really I don't solid think they're movies. Boring at all. Yeah, yeah I think these are solid movies. So. Uh, like a hundred percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really good. House Gucci seventy one. Uh, I would concur. Yeah, yeah, good, I, I think good. so. Just feeling that, like, yeah, I think that that makes. I think, yeah, it makes a huge amount of sense. Good. Absolutely. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to add, Vin? Should we roll credits here? I think that is good to go. Awesome. Okay, uh, Vin, we always appreciate you watching. We appreciate you stopping by. We will see you next week. Uh, let's run it down one more time, folks. So we have Fargo with the big eighty eight percent. Then we have Thoroughbreds with 78%. We have The Report with a 73%. King Richard with a 74%. House of Gucci with a 71%. All very impressive. Um, Again, folks, if you're feeling... Uh, are you enjoying the podcast? Are you going to the site to check it out? If you could, maybe throw us a couple bucks or something like that. If Jeremy Irons wants to give us some money and so he could just bitch constantly at us, uh, that would be phenomenal. We'll re- oh, Jeremy. We will read the note. <laughs> we'll read it. If there's, yeah, if there's funds attached to it, uh, we appreciate you, Jeremy. Okay. So we'll catch you next time, folks. We thank you so much for listening. We thank you so much for helping us produce this podcast. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com, where you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mentioned on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.